0: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. City of Livonia, narrative report. Reporting officer, Detective Sergeant Corey M. Williams. OCCK investigation. March 2008. We began talking to Greg Green's brother about anything Greg might have said to him over the years. To which he stated that Greg had written a long letter while he was in prison about his life, but stated that he had thrown the letter away after Greg died in 1995. Green's brother began talking about when Greg was arrested in January of 77 for the molestations in Flint. Greg had been living with their father. Greg's brother was at the house after Greg's arrest and found a hidden room in the crawl space of the attic that Greg had built. He told us when he found it, he knew what Greg built it for and was sick to his stomach over it. We asked him to describe the room to us. He stated that the room had a hidden door that he found accidentally and stated that the people that reside in the home right now probably do not know it is there. He stated that it was a small room behind a wall in the crawl space, and stated that it had paneling and carpeting in it. He went on to say that the room was big enough for Greg and a boy to stay in. You're listening to You Know They Know from the files of the Oakland County Child Killer Investigation with Jay Ruben Appleman, author of The Kill Jar, a chronicle of 10 years investigating Detroit's most notorious serial killer case, published by Simon & Schuster. The Kill Jar was the springboard for the investigation discovery TV show Children of the Snow, now on Hulu. You Know They Know is brought to you from the KRBX studios in Boise, Idaho with music from Patrick Benolkin. I'm Jay Ruben Appleman. From the time I began researching the Oakland County Child Killings, a series of abduction murders in the 1970s outside of Detroit, Michigan, to the time my book The Kill Jar was finished, 10 years had passed. This podcast was partially born in response to readers of The Kill Jar and viewers of Children of the Snow asking for more, and it was also greatly born from the compelling evidence that indicates this case should have been solved years ago, leading me and others to wonder, was it? Episodes often begin with a reading from the actual case files in my possession, decades of investigative narratives and interrogation transcripts, the evidence trails and autopsy reports and polygraph results and supplementary documents relating to the hundreds of city, county, state, and FBI investigators who have touched this allegedly unsolved case. Today, you heard from the City of Livonia Narrative Report, authored by Detective Sergeant Corey Williams, working a lead known as the Greg Green lead in the Oakland County child killing case. Um, you heard from um, something mentioning a room in the in, that Gregory Green had built um, in the in the back of his attic, and um, this room had carpeting and a secret door. And um, not only did his brother make this statement to the police, but a Another victim of Gregory Green's, a molestation victim, uh, living victim, um, had testified that, that uh, when his uh, middle school principal had reported him missing, and then his parents had reported him missing as well, uh, presuming that he was either runaway or kidnapped, it was discovered that he had actually just been hanging out in Greg Green's secret room where he had stayed the night and not told anybody um, as a middle schooler, and Greg Green being in his late 20s at that time, uh, molesting him in that back room. Um, but there's, there is also documentation uh, backing up what Greg Green's brother said about this room, that it was the small carpeted room hidden behind a wall, uh, a secret wall. Uh, on the show with me today is Kathy Broad, sister to victim Timothy King. Um, Kathy, thanks thanks for doing this again. And can can we um, start by talking about, just from the very beginning, what, paint a picture of who Greg Green is, what you know about him, how he enters this world that we've been talking about?
1: Sure, Jason. Um, I can start at the very beginning, or I can just start where we know that he is a, um, a contemporary of Christopher Bush. Um, the two of them um, meet up no later than 1976 and um, start, I mean, they're a team. They molest uh, boys as a team. Um, I can back up a lot, Jason, and tell you that He was born in 1950 in Detroit.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Start from the beginning, Yep. Okay.
1: Born in in 1950 in Detroit, and at the age of five, the family moved to Flint. Four kids. Uh, Greg Green is the third. He's got an older brother and sister and a younger brother. In 1968, he graduates from St. Agnes Catholic School in Flint, and in 1970, when he's 20, he moves to California. Um, he he describes in various interviews with probation officers and for purposes of later pre-sentence reports that he started getting involved in pedophile activity at that time, and he was arrested for sodomizing um, and almost killing. A 12-year-old boy, and during the course of that investigation, it's revealed that he's got like 50 uh, um, sexual abuse slash rape victims. And in California, he's sentenced uh, as a mentally mentally disordered sex offender was the term, and he was uh, placed in an inpatient facility, Patton State Hospital in California where he spent almost a year from January 24, 75 to January 7, 76. Um, his file indicates that on toward the end of January, he's placed on probation in Orange County. And there's a file notation that uh, on or about February 11, 1976, Green was taken from the jail and placed on a plane to Michigan. So he ends up in Michigan in February of 76, just before Mark Stebbins is abducted and murdered. And it's clear from, you know, especially the investigative report that you quoted from, which is so extensive um, by Detective Williams, that, um, Green and Bush, Christopher Bush um, hung out together and participated in a bunch of really horrible crimes together.
0: Yeah, and um, if we go back to to when he's still in Huntington, he's in California, Green is still in California right before he get gets gets um well, let's go back to 70. I think it's early 70s he starts to get arrested for stuff, um, you know, small things, uh, narcotics, busts, and things like that. Um, in 72, he's in Greg Green is in Huntington Beach. He gets, arre- uh, uh, gets arrested for suspicion of conspiracy to commit burglary, uh, forged bills, having forged bills on him, kidnapping, false imprisonment, and having stolen property. Um, that's in 72. Now I don't know the situation around that. All I have is the arrest record. I don't have the, the description of the charges from 72, or how that came to be, uh, because this was, um, this is a part of his file from 75 basically. Um, and it just kind of lists previous charges. Um, but also on this list, he is in, uh, it notes that in 1970, he's in possession of a police radio, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, like a police scanner kind of thing in his vehicle, and then in seventy, you know, two years later, he's arrested for kidnapping, false imprisonment, et cetera. And then the 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 horrific events uh, that you mentioned with this this twelve-year-old boy that that finally got him um, busted was um, he's he's molesting this twelve-year-old boy, and and he basically the description I I don't want to go into too much detail of it because it's really just some of these things not only should people not hear it but it's 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 no wonder some of these crimes don't get solved because if you look deeper into these people you you have to read all the description of the things they've done in the past and there's not there's not a lot of people who can take that i can't even deal with some of the documents i've been staring at for 10 years i i can only skim them briefly because i know what's there and i don't want to read it in full again you know but but right. but what what green was basically arrested for without getting into too much detail was um he uh was sexually assaulting a uh this twelve year old boy he chokes him out uh i can't remember if he hit him i think he may have hit him in the neck um and and the, uh, claims to have accidentally done it um the boy is like having a hard time breathing um green basically drives him around uh l a or something and and whatever you want to call it i'm not familiar wh- with what you would call that if you'd call it l a proper or whatever um, or orange or um, but he's in he's in cali and he's driving him around and he just decides to dump him at the hospital and he dumps the body on, on the on the grounds of outside the emergency room or around the corner he goes to a pay phone and calls and said there's a there's a kid on your lawn basically they find the kid and um, green wasn't sure if he was alive or not when he dumped him he he dumped him because he was panicking and the kid didn't seem to be able to breathe right and or, or wasn't breathing at all and they find the kid and there's burn marks on his torso from cigarettes and they ask when they finally bust green for this they catch up to him um, they he's they say what, what's with the burn marks and he says I wasn't sure if he was alive or yet uh, alive or not and so um, I burned him to see if he'd wake up and so green is a sick dude and um they gets put away for these other charge, you know, total of like something like 50 charges and he goes back to Michigan. Um as you said, after he gets out and he arrives in Michigan it's like <laughs> there's some discrepancy. He claims so here's here's an interesting point about what happens with his arrival in Michigan. When he's later questioned about the murder of Mark Stebbins, he says, I, I couldn't have done it. I didn't get into Michigan until uh, February um, f- 14th or 15th. Be- he says this because he thinks he's covering his tracks. It's speculated by Williams and others um, because the, the murder of or the abduction of Stebbins was initially listed in the press as a day earlier accidentally. And so, and so Greg Green, when he says, well, I wasn't even there then, um, he picks a date that he says he came back to Michigan at and which would have placed him there like a day later than the Stebbins abduction. Um, but in reality he had been in Michigan and he was just, I say that to clarify anybody who's got anybody who's walking around for anybody who's walking around with this kind of information thinking he wasn't there at the time or whatever. So Greg Green is definitely in Michigan, um, He's a compatriot, a contemporary of, of Chris Bush, and they meet up um, and they start molesting molesting kids. Is that where we left off?
1: Yes. And Bush tried to pull the same thing, but he had arrived. The same arrived thing
0: with, in, with dates? With the dates. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. And he had arrived from Europe and his parents, he said, picked him up in Flint and then they drove to Oakland County and that's one of the reasons why Larry Wasser said that he kind of remembered the Bush file because as he recalled it was someone who had just returned from Europe. And Larry so Wasser said, we uh, me-
0: Larry Wasser we mentioned in a previous episode was the uh polygrapher who was basically held to the f- flames to 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 say to repeat what he had said in private to somebody else that that Christopher Bush was basically, because of his experience as the polygrapher in the in the in the Bush legal team, uh, w- was had confessed to doing doing one of these murders.
1: Right, and someone who was a near victim of of Green in California reached out to me, um, couple you know a while back, and said that. Green had molested some of his boyhood friends in Fountain Valley, California in 73 or 74. Uh, he says, I would have been one of his victims if not for my mom who refused Greg's request to allow me to go out with him for pizza and movies. The night he assaulted and molested Jimmy and left him for dead outside a hospital in Huntington beach.
0: Wow. Greg,
1: Yeah. Greg was doing landscaping work for his mother and also during this time period he was of course a little league coach and this this man goes on to say we the scuttlebutt at the time was that green had gotten 20 years and then in reality he had gotten just under 365 days at a state hospital
0: wow so he was supposed to get 20 years
1: no, that was just the scuttle, Oh, I see. I, mean, I see. You know, but he got got far, far less than that. Yeah. And then California was smart enough to offload him onto Michigan.
0: Yeah, and so he goes back to Flint.
1: Uh... He goes back to Flint where he is, you know, he's on probation, right? So he... He doesn't go right to the probation office, but starting in March of 76 until he's arrested, he's, he's hooked up with some probation officer in Flint and he's pretending to play ball with all of the requirements of his probation.
0: Right. In the meantime, he, um, if my memory is correct, he, he, he got on as a, as a coach again. Um, at an at a uh, for another team, do you remember that?
1: Yes, he did. He was um, he was coaching a little league team, and the report from the probation officer is that you know Green's interpretation was as long as he was around another adult, he could do this. And the PO says, "Oh, I never granted permission for him to be a little league coach." Um, and he he wasn't you know an outpatient with the Genesee county Community Hospital during that time, but yeah he he was coaching little
0: so I'm back up to Huntington Beach for just a second again Huntington beach is where he was arrested um we have the I, in my files I have the most extensive file on him from Huntington beach anyway, and mm-hmm. um there's a section in this this report, I think it's page eight. Um, of the Huntington Police Department uh, follow-up report to his, looks like his 74 arrest for this murder of this, or the um, rape of this 12-year-old. Um, and, and in the report, it's, I think it's very interesting, it mentions on page 8 that um, the officer typing up this report, quote, Has personal knowledge that Subject Green has worked for this department on an undercover confidential informant status in narcotics investigations? Figures. I mean, I find that very interesting um, because also when you talk about Cass Corridor, uh, which we will talk about it, I've mentioned briefly in another episode and we'll talk about again, and Richard Lawson, who was mentioned briefly, um, a known pedophile. Um, he also worked as a confidential informant Lawson in the Cass Corridor in Detroit, and so we have two main players in this case who who um, uh, uh, wor- worked as CIs in the past, and 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 you have to think that I mean sure cops will probably tell you man we have fucking everybody as CIs you know <laughs> maybe that's the case maybe that's the case maybe they enlist everybody who's looking at time to be a CI right but. Um, but green, so it looks like previously on those narcotics charges I mentioned in, in 72, I think it was, you know, get is still out rolling around because he agrees to work as a CI. And mean, meanwhile, um, police are giving him freedom because your CI is useless to you if you lock him up. So here's a guy who probably, uh, should have been doing a little bit of time or looked at greater for other things previously, but he's let out to roam around and do whatever he does because the police want him to give them feed him information about, you know, drug buys or whatever the hell. Meanwhile he's out there raping kids and same with Lawson. Lawson is uh Lawson is a known pedophile in, in, in Cass Corridor or in Detroit at the time. And instead of locking him up, they let him out and and let him roam around to feed to feed them information about other pedophiles, which is just I mean, it's one thing when you're when it's like you know a crack informant or something. You're like, yeah, well, this crackhead, we'll throw him back out on the streets, and he'll tell us who's who's got the you know who's got the um, the holding site for the crack or whatever, right? Um, when you're talking about pedophiles, like in Lawson's case, you let him out, yeah, we'll let him go roam around. He'll get, he'll lead us to the to what the big pedophile. Meanwhile, he's allowed to be molesting kids while he reports back. Like it doesn't. It doesn't make any sense, right? This some of this stuff, but like, and so it's,
1: it's insane. It, A pedophile back out on the street is going to have, um, hundreds, if not thousands of victims, um, during the time that they're out. So it was literally insane for them to do that.
0: And so Green has, grant, has been granted the same status in Huntington while, meanwhile, he's, he's, and during this time he's accumulating what would later become 50 charges of CSC um criminal sexual conduct and or whatever they called it in uh Huntington at the time um but but he comes to michigan um and there is um i think we'll talk we'll talk in in a, in a minute about this 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 um the vehicle he was driving around for a little bit, but I want to actually, so remind me if I forget, but let's, let's talk for a second about this, this, um, seek so-called secret room in, in the back of green's attic. Now we know that, um, among the evidence pulled from the bodies, uh, if my memory is right, I don't have my notes on that right in front of me, but all four victims showed carpet fibers. Um, if not, at least three, I believe. Am I, is it all four?
1: My recollection, Jason, is that it's fibers found on the socks of Jill and on Tim um, matched. Matched um, each other.
0: Those fibers are matched yeah. to one another. Okay.
1: Right. And there were gold carpet fibers found i think on everybody that but they didn't necessarily match
0: okay got it so one thing i have not seen in in all of the documents that i mean look your your father bless his heart and 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 your family in total like you know accumulated all these documents and um uh provided these to me when I started when you and I started talking. Um, I don't, I don't believe I got all of them at first. I had to go back later and get more, et cetera, et cetera. And, but over time, um, I think I have all of the documents that you have. I've looked through your files, um, and they, they align with everything I have and the, and your files are based on primarily on, on this one massive FOIA dump, um, that your po- your, your father paid like 11 grand for, um, and, um, in all of those documents that in the, in these include the documents related to Christopher Bush, these are primarily made up of, excuse me, documents related to Christopher Bush, Gregory Green, um, their victim and, and ride along, uh, Vince Gunnels, um, uh, Lamborghini, Ted Lamborghini, who was, who was, a uh, uh, becomes very active when thinking about this case. We'll talk about him I have episode on him coming up uh, uh lost richard lawson as well um other suspects um but lots and lots and lots and lots on greg green and christopher bush and i have not seen in any of these documents um a rep- a narrative report or any kind of even penciled note and we have a lot of those too that says we're going to go look at that room that the police are going to go look at that room uh in Greg Green's attic and, and tear it to tear to hell for DNA and such. I haven't seen anything like that. I in fact, all I see is in, in two different occasions or three different occasions. I see notions of this report of this room. I see, um, I see, uh, one of the, one of the, I see the, the report I read from, and I see the report from the uh, allegedly kidnapped or runaway boy who, who was later found to have just been spending the night with Greg Green um, and then I see in a a narrative report from uh, or I'm sorry a like an interrogation transcript um, with Williams and somebody else where they mention this room as well. And um, that's it. We see mentions of the room. We don't see any follow up reports from the police. We don't see like even when we like like I read from um, the affidavit for a search warrant. Uh, there's there's. That's a search warrant for Christopher Bush's old residence. Um, there's no, not that I have seen, affidavit for a search warrant of Gregory Green's um, place where we know that he built a separate special room where he could hide out with children. And and also, we, we do know from uh, many, many documents and news reportings and such that the police... We're looking for somebody who had access to special sp- places, basically, where these kids could be held and nobody could find them. And because it was like it was, um, they thought it was like very difficult to have, like for instance, Jill Robinson, um, uh, or Christine Mihalik or well, any any of the four kept for any amount of time, basically, without anybody knowing. Now, Greg Green is not, um, it, you know, he has. F- come out forthright and said he's a homosexual so he's not sexually motivated by or interested in in young girls at least if you believe him uh
1: well he's also um stated that he's a pedophile right yeah
0: which is not which is not necessarily have anything to do with uh sexual attraction often like to a certain to a certain sex
1: attracted to minors And when he's discussing this with, you know, when he's talking to being interrogated and such, he describes, you know, this attraction he has for boys between the ages. His ideal boy he describes would be 11. But, yeah, he's very open about that with with investigators.
0: So... I have not seen any of these documents, any documents related to a search warrant for Green's old property. Do you know of anything? Am I wrong?
1: No, you're not, Jason. In that very massive investigative report uh, that Detective Sergeant Williams put together that was submitted to us under FOIA, this is not Corey Williams telling me this stuff. This is... Narrative. I'm
0: sorry, you, you broke up for just a second. You said this is not Corey Williams telling me. This is in the narrative. Is that what you're saying?
1: This is in his very extensive narrative that was um, provided in the FOIA documents. Um, so he, so in that around the point where you were reading from, Jason, Detective Williams does mention, you know, we are going to need to go search Green, the you know, the house in Flint house where he was living when he was arrested where this secret room is and the bush cottage up at S Lake but there is nothing in the file that that was ever done. On April 14, 2008 Detective Williams' entry is that he took photos of Greg Green's old house in Flint today. Um, this is the house that Green's brother told us had a secret hidden room in the crawl space that their brother Greg built and used to keep and molest boys in. Um, But soon after, soon after Detective Williams was poking around up at S Lake, um, that cottage, you know, home up there, who there have been subsequent owners, was basically demolished for a remodel. So I don't know why they never went into, never took care of business before that happened, but I don't see anything either that says they went into that Flint house.
0: Yeah, which is especially disturbing because... Look, we're going to get into talking about the vehicles that may have been used in the abductions um, at some point in a a future episode, but without confusing listeners too much, I I, uh, just remind people that um, originally, the, the first vehicle they were really spreading around that they were looking for was a blue Gremlin, which is a blue hatchback car, and this had a white hockey stripe up the side, okay? And... It's especially disturbing that we find no documentation of a search of Gregory Green's secret room where he was known to molest at least one young boy in, um, uh, that he specially built in his attic and had carpet in it. Um, we see no, it's especially disturbing to see no mention of, of a search of that place because, um, as we know greg green and, and christopher bush were one of the one of the original uh, tips called in as as possi you know possibly related to these crimes all of, all of these the the history of these men points to them being certainly at at the very least very viable people to sort of w- look at we've already did whole whole episode on christopher bush um b- and there's all kinds of reasons to believe that Christopher Bush was involved. There's also all kinds of reasons to believe that Green was involved in in addition to all these other circumstantial things um, like uh, molesting other kids, admitting to the police that he had fantasies of, t- of kidnapping and tying up kids. Green and Bush both had had stated things like that, um, that. And this is in the midst of an investigation into the Oakland County Child killer. It's not like they said it five years earlier or they said it a year, you know, after the case was closed or whatever. I mean, they're they're being looked at as possible as possible perps in the abduction and, and molestation and murder of children. And they're saying to the police, yeah, I have fantasies about tying up and raping kids. Of course. So and and. And these people are, are let go. But most disturbing about not seeing any documentation related to the search of that room at Green's is is that they were looking for this blue gremlin. And on one of the tips, uh, t- tips, I think it's, so Green was called in twice, as was Bush. They were tip 369 and 370. And then they were also in the thousands. Somebody reported them again and said, hey, you know, don't forget to look at these guys, basically. Um, but it says, uh the the details of the tip mentioned that he was uh uh that he had done his time in in huntington or after the crimes in huntington and that he was back in michigan driving a blue and then it's redacted (laughs) it says it says uh Uh, C.S.C. First Degree, I'm I'm cutting into where you don't need to hear all of it, but it's arrested for 50 counts C.S.C. First Degree, put him in a mental institution for a short time and released him. He then came back to Michigan, drove blue. Then there's a whole line that's redacted, but you can see it wasn't like somebody forgot to finish it because you can see the tops of a few letters in that line. It's clearly been whited out um, before being copied and sent out. So drove blue. Okay. well, this isn't the only time that we know that he was driving a blue he was basically driving a Blue Vega, which is the twin to the to the to the Gremlin that they allegedly looked look for. And, and Christopher Bush owned a Blue Vega, and a lot of people say, including myself, that I don't. I th- I think that this Blue Gremlin, this Blue Vega, whatever you want to call it, is not the the end of the road for figuring out uh, what the perp was driving because multiple we know that multiple cars were used, but I certainly think that it's very possible that, that this blue gremlin they were looking for was one of many cars. And I'll tell you why, because Gregory green was not only just sort of known, uh, to drive it from, you know, witnessing, Oh yeah, he drove that car or something like that. Um, even though it was Bush's vehicle, uh, we have, we have the interrogation transcript, um, I think it's between Kenneth Bowman and, I mean, it's also redacted, but yeah, this is Bowman, uh, who I don't like to mention too much because the poor guy was a, a molestation victim, um, and now he's...
1: And I think he's no longer living. I think he's deceased
0: now. Do you, do you know when that would have happened?
1: Um, I think, like in the last year, Jason, I don't even think he's alive.
0: Well, that That's very sad to me um, to find it that is. out right now. I want to, I'll look into that war as well because that's
1: I mean what he was put through by Bush and Green that would shorten anybody's lifespan
0: yeah he would have been right now um, in his 60s right right
1: yeah early 60s
0: wow well let me read from this for a second and then and then I'll I'll try to follow up on that. Maybe, maybe, uh, that's hard to process right now. So court, uh, because there's so much I have to say about him. He's, he is basically one of the prime living, uh, a living victim of Bush and Green, who had come forth and said so much to the police that to have, to have him not, not, uh, living right now is troubling. Um, uh, for, for who
1: described himself, you know, reading through the redactions Jason, who described himself when first interviewed by Williams as a um, co-conspirator.
0: Yeah, because in this crime. yeah, yeah, yeah. He he felt. Now, to be fair, he felt like he was a co-conspirator because he was around and did nothing. Um, well, because
1: if, if what he was saying was true, he was forced to have oral sex with my brother while he was still alive.
0: Yeah. I was going to read from a little bit of this. I don't know how much you have the stomach for, so I'm going to kind of skim around. But Corey Williams is interrogating or, or not interrogating, taking a statement from Bowman. And um, he says he saw a picture of who he believes is your brother tied up in that. it was, This picture was shown to him. He says. "I um, In Bush's vehicle. yeah in bush's vehicle well here's what here's what they actually say um williams do you know which boy it was out of these two boys this boy was there's some redaction stuff um uh but Williams says this boy was 12 or he was 11 and bowman says it was tim because i recognized the hair i recognized the face and i don't know if he was smiling in the picture or he wasn't sure that it was for real or not you know what i mean like if i'm tight yeah. like if i'm tied up in a rope and i'm i think you're just playing with me and you wasn't i'm just reading from him and you wasn't that some i wasn't sure something was bad was going to happen to me so so he's he's saying he saw a picture of of your brother timothy king uh, 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 tied up and he he didn't look terrified he just looked kind of uncertain basically um like he didn't know what was going on. He wasn't, um, he, he didn't seem to be crying or something. He didn't look to be nervous or scared. It was just kind of like he thought maybe it was probably a joke. Um, uh, and, and he says, and William says to Bowman, where did, um, where did you see the picture? He says it was in Chris's possession, Chris Bush. Um, Williams, where did he show it to you? Bowman, in his car. He showed it to you in his car? Yes. Of a boy tied up? yes because Chris had brought the pictures and you think it was Timothy King I believe it is and then it gets a it gets a little bit even more interesting later on he says um, he says that he knows that Ted Lamborghini went to the cottage that that Bush and Green hung out in a lot and William says how do you know Lamborghini went to that cottage with either Bush or Green um, because because they had taken Bowman up to the cottage, um, and and he says basically uh, that he 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 recognized him because he said that um, that Greg wanted to Greg Green wanted to sell him to Lamborghini, um, and and that 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 um, that Lamborghini had also picked him up. In Ohio from somewhere and brought him the, to, to the Detroit area and that basically so I, there's so much here but basically Bowman says in summary um, you know he was a victim of, of uh, Green and Bush and uh, Bush had shown him a picture of a boy tied up he Bowman believes that boy was Timothy King because he recognized his, um, him from you know reports and such And that also that that um, the green and and Bush had had wanted to sell him to Ted Lamborghini this other pedophile we're gonna get to and to sell wanted to sell Bowman to him but it didn't happen or something like that Um, but but he 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 directly ties this this well-known pedophile who ends up going away for life uh, for raping children as well to Bush and Green and that pedophile Ted Lamborghini is is the connection to this downtown Detroit corridor area pedophile ring basically and even Gregory Green in one of his statements says that that when he's being interrogated for um, uh, these crimes says he can get them he can show the cops the the um, he can get them to to the pedof- what he calls a pedophile ring passing young boys around. Um, and he's trying to leverage that to get some some, some help with his case, basically. Um,
1: right, and it comes from just out of the blue. I mean, when you read that interrogation, he just comes up with that.
0: So what else do you know about Gregory Green? Where else can we go with this on, on, on Homeboy? He's like, I mean, there's so much.
1: Well, there's so much, Jason, but... You know, if we're back to to Bowman, and this stuff is redacted, but in your case and in my case, we've read enough documents. You can cross reference and guess who this is. But um, he um, he in in the narrative prepared by Detective Williams, he says that in January of seventy seven. Um, And that that date's debatable. But Green approached him and asked him to help kidnap and kill a boy. Bowman said that Green and Bush would use him as a lure so that because the child's less afraid to come talk to a younger person, and that way Green could get a better look at the child and get his hands on him. Um, He further told investigators that he himself had been choked unconscious in the past while being molested by Green and that he was afraid of Bush and Green killing him. And Green told him that Bush had killed a boy in the past. So there's some really terrible stuff that, you know, anyone, any of these, these boys who were being raped by Bush and Green and then later interrogated by police, some horrifying facts come out or information comes out. And then, and then of course, we're to the point where um, in January 77, um, soon after, he, Green has approached Baldwin and asked him to participate in kidnapping and killing a boy. He is arrested. He swept up in that bust in Flint, um, where all those um, boys were targeted by Bush and Green, um, and for you know sexual abuse, and rape, and being photographed. And Green is charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct with a minor, um, a 12-year-old in Flint. So he's, and that leads up to the point that you had talked about, where he's trying to throw Bush under the bus for killing Mark Stebbins. He's trying to, you know, get them to go easy on him. And, you know, we're almost a year, Jason, away from the Stebbins murder. So he just pulls that out of thin air, Mark Stebbins' name, and says, oh, Chris Bush killed Mark Stebbins. I mean that has always been curious to me too. Um, yeah. He's just got that on the tip of his tongue, um, and then, then, of course, that's when both Bush and Green are polygraphed um, concerning their involvement in in the murder of Mark Stebbins. So that brings us up to um, late January of 1977.
0: Yeah. And Gregory Green also (laughs) coincidentally, um, is a spot on match to the composite sketch of the man alleged to have been seen talking to your brother prior to your brother's abduction. And now I know I want to cover briefly, um, on, on my end at least, I don't think there's a lot, I mean, we don't really need to discuss so much, but just to cover, there is some notion uh, that people have said many times and finally was said by one of the main investigators who might have been Williams that Gregory Green was in jail, uh, in in custody at the time of your brother's abduction. Um, and... I don't believe that. So here's, here's what happens. Um, along the way, there are a couple of different versions of basically green was, was about to, to go to, to prison for life for, for these criminal sexual conduct charges. Um, his, you know, his court cases were already underway, et cetera. And, uh, there were two different versions. One of where he was around the time of your brother's abduction, one, uh, one was he was out on bond, and another was no. the The file shows that he was still in in jail, awaiting to go be transferred, basically to prison. Um, and uh, but there was confusion about this. The way there was confusion about uh, other documents too. The way where you can go back to the medical examiner stuff, where it's like one thing says this, one thing says that, and you're like, what What the fuck's going on here? Um, is 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 there sperm or isn't there sperm or whatever and and as well as now we have these two situations where was green out or wasn't he out um and people say well no here's a document that says he this they they don't have him as being out and then it's followed up on later by Corey williams i think it was who says no green was definitely in custody uh at the time of tim king's abduction
1: that's but, debatable jason um, even based on Corey's own notes, he, he has ultimately, I believe, come to that conclusion. But when you look at the um, investigative narrative that he put together, um, he says um, that today it was determined, he says this on October 14th of 08, today it was determined that Green was possibly out on bond at the time of King's abduction. Uh, Gary Gray was re- reviewing some old notes today from task force detective Doan from Southfield PD and observed where Doan had written the following statement. Green was sent to Jackson prison on June 17th, 77 out on bond till then.
0: Right. And so so, I, so a lot of what happens is they say he was sent to uh, prison and, the, and then they think, oh, was in prison. but. Yeah, he just had to report to prison, basically, at that time.
1: Well, it's, you know, then you back up and look at what um, what this woman who worked at the Genesee County Jail told Corey in March of um, 08. I'm sure you've seen that, that record, which is um, the jail index card for Greg Green. It's all handwritten and typed, and... The note, the note says um, 2377, two charges for CSC-1. Um, this, this person, this woman, Corey, interviewed, says that their jail was not computerized back then, indicating that index cards are all they used back then to track inmates. Right. Um, this woman says it was possible that Green was out of jail or bonded out, and it just didn't get put on the card but that because the cards are only as accurate as the people typing the entries, right? But she says it was more likely than not, if he was out on bond, it would say that on the card. And the card has written on it in very dark handwriting, handwriting, keep secured at all times on this little inmate ID card. But we do know that... By March 30th of 1977, he pled guilty in Genesee County in front of Judge Elliott to the Flint charges. So between two three seventy seven, when they prepare an in, inmate ID card for him and pleading guilty on 33077, there's some wiggle room there. But again, you know, in your last episode, you talked to Dr. Arnfield, who said, "You know, this kind of eyewitness testimony about faces and cars can be notoriously unreliable." You know, then again, there are the cases where you look at the composite, and then the person ultimately arrested, and they're almost an exact match.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, what to back up just for a second? Um, we we. To reiterate, anyway, we know then now that that um, Williams, quote, came to the conclusion or, quote, it was determined that, quote, you know, like these are not uh, these are people making educated guesses or assumptions based on uh, protocol and things like that. Um, Right. But this is not somebody who can verify that Green was locked up. Now, I, I now. I I've spent a lot of time saying that, um, and by the way, I have two different notations from Doan. So Lauren Doan, who you mentioned, um, had said green out on bond until then. It wasn't, I see a narrative. I have a narrative report that's actually typed up and blah, blah, blah. I also have Doan's original handwritten note himself to, uh, in, in, from his case files. So saying green was out on bond. So Lauren Doan has some reason, and this was not looking back from the future. Th- this is a note Doran wrote at the time of the, the active situation at, the, at that time. So, you know, who right. would, who would know better uh, cops looking back 40 years or the guy who was the cop right then who wrote a note greens out on fucking bond. So, I mean, I, I have a hard time believing Lauren Doan at that time would, would, would have got it wrong, gotten it wrong. But, that said, I I also, you know, you mentioned about eyewitness testimony about faces and cars and all that and Arnfield and stuff. You're absolutely right. Um, I, however, this is the this is if we are going to latch on to the idea of a blue gremlin and this composite of a guy that they were looking for after your brother, um, which I think it, it, the only reason not to is is because um, that that was that was all people were looking at. We know, and we're going to talk I'm going to talk to Jack Calflash, hopefully, and get him on here and stuff. We're going to talk about the multiple vehicles, the, the Pontiacs and the Buicks and all this stuff. But, um, that, that we, that we're seeing at abduction sites, um, um, and drop off sites. But we know that. So we already know there were multiple vehicles. We know there were multiple perpetrators. Uh, everybody who really digs into this believes that there were multiple people and multiple vehicles. Um, if that's the case, then there's no reason to immediately exclude the the blue gremlin or, as it were, the Vega, even though we we do know something about uh, this that confuses the situation a little bit, which is what your brother talks about. And I'll get to that in a second. But but um, it's too much to believe with all the evidence pointing at Bush and Green, Bush and Green, both of them, it's too much to believe that the that the in retrospect looking back after all the research that everybody has done and everything that the, that the, that the blue compact car they were looking for with the white hockey stripe up the side, which Christopher Bush owned and the composite, which looks just like Gregory green are not accurate, but, but they're not, they don't tell the whole picture, but it isn't too much to believe that with everything pointing at green and he looks just like the fucking guy in the poster and he's driving a car often that looks just like the car in the poster it's too much to believe that that's not accurate um but what happens is your brother who was how old was he at the time of i'm sorry your brother chris 11. your brother chris oh
1: my brother chris had just turned 16 okay so the day before tim was abducted
0: so on the night of so on the the evening of your brother's abduction um everybody's out looking for 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 tim and crit and, the, and they're also get this this report of the gremlin um and which is later gone but but i think it's, it's the next day maybe i think chris says basically to the cops it couldn't have been the gremlin because the gremlin was still fucking there well sitting in the parking lot while everybody was out looking for tim the gremlin didn't abduct Tim and drive off um and and that's i, I Chris says and Chris is a very smart guy there's no reason he would have imagined this he was he's and and from what I know of him now we always are the same we were back then and he's a very analytical um, he's not you know easily like morphed by emotion or whatever he seems to be a very smart fellow Um, it's not like he suddenly concocted some image of the car to make believe his brother hadn't been abducted yet or something you know basically what happens is your brother's abducted from the parking lot of a, of this pharmacy. An eyewitness says she saw your brother talking to a man, um, standing next to this blue car, describes the man, describes the car. The police are out looking for the, for that car. Your brother, Chris says it, it, that car was still sitting there the the night, the night of. So I don't know how that could be the car. Um, but, and we've later find out that, that, that car is ascribed to somebody who claims she was having an affair and she left her car there or something um, or he had left the car anyway. But the point is this. So for a while people start to think like myself included like, Oh, well then this, this blue car is just bullshit. This, if, if it was there the night and they didn't, they didn't look into the car and you know, it just is, I don't know. It's it's confusing, but but when you start to think about the idea that there are multiple cars being used, that there are multiple, when you open the door to this is not a lone serial killer, this is a team of people abducting, molesting, event, somebody eventually killing these kids, if you start to look at the idea that multiple people are collaborating to keep this fucking secret, multiple cars include the Gremlin, which is basically the Vega. I mean, we're talking about this, 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 um, uh, Testimony that Bowman gave that he was driving around it, it, that he was in this blue car with these two child molesters, and he was shown a picture of Timothy King, and and he was asked to be a lure at times for other molestations, and and he's driving around in a car with a guy who looks like the picture and driving the car that was in the picture. Like, it's too much to believe that this is not what I'm getting at is that you look at all of this and regardless of whether or not it's 100% accurate or whatever i mean we, it's too much to think that the cops didn't swoop in on these fucking guys and just and make the case because the case can be made easily that greg green and christopher bush were involved in these murder in these abductions and murders the cases there's so much evidence pointing at them and but for some reason they the cops haven't just said that they haven't just said and they haven't said they haven't said I mean it's been 40 years at this point they haven't said hey look by the way uh, one of our main suspects uh, had a secret room where he molested children and probably could have kept children for 4 to 19 days just like in the child killings and he also drove a car that looked like the car in the poster and he looked he himself looked like the guy in the poster he also admitted to fantasies of kidnapping and killing kids and he also rode around with somebody who he claimed kidnapped and murdered Mark Stubbins and oh by the way you know I mean, it's insane that we... That well,
1: it, it is insane, Jason. And even at, if you look at the narrative report, which just covers Bush and Green and ends just before, you know, they comply with the FOIA request, there's more evidence. They, they interview Greg Green's cellmate, who had been a cellmate in prison for three years before... Green died in 95, and this man is um, interviewed. He told us that Green told him he got away with killing four kids in the past. And at this point, the man was visibly upset. His eyes were watering, and he was breathing heavily. Um, When asked what does he remember about exactly what Green told him, He said they were watching TV and talking about molesting kids in the past when Green told him about getting away with killing the kids. Um, He stated that Green told him he knew the police were looking for those kids while they were missing and in, in his possession, and that Green told him he had had the kids for a few days. Now, the term Oakland County child killer didn't mean anything to him, but the name Chris Bush did. Um, so as, as late as this report, then it just, it just ends, Jason. I mean, with everything, like if we put this whole narrative report online and people read it and then it's just never, there's even with detective Williams report, it never gets wrapped up. It's just hanging out there. Like, when was this? lead this bush and green lead when the hell was it extinguished when did they reach a point where they would say oh you know god i were wrong they just weren't involved no they just move on to sloan and this hair that belongs to you know the unnamed unknown suspect but they never wrap this up if, if you like we're talking about this now, Jason, and all this stuff, but if all this shit was online and somebody sat there and read it, it would be like, what do you mean Bush and Green were not involved? Yeah, other people might have been involved, but they never wrap the shit up.
0: Yeah, like so many other things like the Vince Gunnels. you know, there's a there's a DNA match to Vince Gunnell's. Um, who we know is rolling around with chris bush and greg green and when you read the narrative reports they don't say anything about where they're going to take this information next they just say we've discovered that it was a dna match you know (laughs) like okay like okay now what motherfucker like what there there's no notation about next steps or processes moving forward or how to you know should we You you know, like like at Mayo Clinic, should we get 19 doctors around a table and figure out what's wrong with this guy? What about getting, you know, what about sitting down at the table with with your 19 people and saying, okay, how do we solve this fucking case? There's no notation that any of this is ever happening.
1: Yeah, none of it's happening. And there are are indications in the file that, that Green had reached out to the Flint detective, Tom Waldron, who who busted Green for, for the crime he went to prison for life for, reached out to him multiple times and said, I need to talk to you about the Oakland County child killings. And Waldron tells Williams, when they talk to him, um, and this is also in this investigative narrative, that, oh, no, I was told I can't I cannot go to Jackson to talk to him about this. It's a waste of time because he passed the polygraph.
0: Jackson's the prison. So, Just to clarify, Jackson's the prison. Jackson prison, where, where he was.
1: Um, where he was for part of the time. He um, Green though died on December twenty ninth of ninety five in prison at the age of forty five. Prison he dies in is not Jackson, so I don't know if he got moved or, or what happened there. But um, nevertheless, and you know, Green went through all of the stuff these kind of guys go through: filing court documents in '86 and '87, challenging his conviction, a writ for habeas corpus, and you know, none of it successful, but. He, you know, he's really pissed off. And his brother says this uh, upon being interviewed that he that he was always frustrated with the fact that he told police back in 77 that Chris Bush was involved with killing those kids and the police never believed him. So, you know, but he's he's locked away for life on the CSC. And you know that's a pretty convenient place for him to be. He's if if he wants to talk, nobody's going to listen.
0: Yeah, and I and I've said for a long time, and I and I think there's some agreement um, that if you really talk to Gregory Green uh, at that time, it it's going to lead back to Christopher Bush.
1: Absolutely
0: and there's a, re- a lot of there's many reasons not to want this to lead back to Christopher Bush if you're the PD at that time right so what we're left with is 40 43 years now 44 uh, going on 44 years uh, <laughs> main suspects prime suspects with all kinds of all kinds of uh arrows pointing at them as the doers of in this case um including living suspects you know and, and, and we have to look at Vince it's really unfortunate to have to look at Vince Gunnells as a suspect because we know he was also a victim and it's like you know often these horrible things are 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 pushed upon kids and they end up involved in stuff that they don't want anything to do with but we have to look at the fact that that he just like Bowman or uh, others uh, was in the presence of, of of Bush and Green all the time, and that his DNA ends up on one of the bodies. We have the DNA from one from a, from a living guy, and we have no, uh, on one of the bodies, and we have no notations in the in the case files about like what's going to be done about this. We have. Uh, Gregory Green with this room and the carpet that he had Um, we have no notations about the carpet fibers in this secret room being you know attempted to be matched to carpet fibers found on the bodies we have Christopher Bush in the 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 bullshit suicide scene that even uh, Dr. Arnfield you know, says after his years of study of of crime scenes that there's no fucking way this was a suicide, and and then we have the idea that these are team killings or or at the very least team abductions. Um, from all angles, we have proof of this. We have ve- multiple vehicles. We have multiple people, DNA. We have um, all kinds of uh, uh, testimony or statements given from people that there was a pedophile ring and all this stuff, and we all we have is notes from. You know, very seemingly very competent investigators that they take damn good notes about what, you know, Corey Williams' notes go way the fuck back. And it's like, man, you look at the notes, you're like, he's really working this case. And I don't, and I'm not sitting here about to say he's not, but we don't have any proof that any of the work he's done was taken to the next step to actually solve this case. We don't have any narratives indicating uh, so and so looked at this and made a determination that X. So-and-so looked at the carpet fibers in Green's secret room, and we determined that it was not a match. Or, you know, we don't have any of this shit. We
1: don't have any narrative that says that all of the evidence obtained at the old Bush residence was ever, I mean, they have it, but it doesn't show that they worked it. We, we know where it's filed, um, where it's stored, but did anybody go through it? Um, and, and your mention of, of the boys that, that Bush and Green were victimizing Jason, this is how evil these two were. It's noted multiple times in the documents that, that I have read and that you have read that what these guys would do was take pictures of them naked or pictures of them while they were having sex and then they would tell them if you tell anybody I'm going to show your parents these photographs